in the squadron. They called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, ah, back, and it feels good. It feels good to be back. It feels also to be on the right side of history. We are on the right side of history, folks. This, uh, I'm not going to debate every little in and out of uh, the Presidential Records Act of 1978 or the Espionage Act because it's all a game. When we start playing their game, we lose, all right? They, I'm not going to do the same thing I did during the Russia hoax, okay, or during Impeachment 1 or Impeachment 2, okay? I could drill down with the best of them exactly why he's in the clear and they're framing him and all that stuff. I can play that game, but it's a game, you can throw it right out. That It hit me over the weekend. I looked at that silly warrant. This is a corrupt document, conceived and implemented and executed by corrupt men, period. All right? it's They are again out to get them. This time they think they've really got them. They don't. And I can actually right now 1,000% uh, totally and completely uh, provide evidence that exonerates Donald Trump. It does. It does. I'll do it tonight on the show, actually, on Newsmax, because I have to show you. I have to show you. And it's very simple. It actually is this simple to say, oh, no, 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 you can't. No, 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 no. It's not simple at all. Here it is. Are you ready? There is videotape of Donald Trump emerging from the White House on January 20th of 2021. Destination, the helicopter, 200 yards in front of him. Marine One. All right. He walks to Marine One. He waves. He gets on the helicopter. What is not in his possession? Boxes of documents. He has no boxes of documents. He's not carrying a damn thing. Nothing. You ever see Donald Trump lug his own luggage around or lug boxes around? No, he doesn't. All right. Well, maybe somebody slipped him some documents on Marine One. Well, we also have footage of him getting off Marine One at Andrews Air Force Base on January 20th of 2021. What's important about that day? Well, it's um, it's Inauguration Day, and he only had a few hours left of being president, okay? Now, he didn't get right on Air Force One. He walked over to a podium, and he gave a speech, pretty short speech, actually, 20, 25 minutes or so, thanked a lot of people, and uh, then he gets on Air Force One. There's video of this as well. He gets on Air Force One, and no documents, nothing. It's just him. You can watch his hands going back, and I'll do this all the way till he gets to Mar-a-Lago. Uh, he gets off of Air Force One down at West Palm Beach. No documents, just him. See Melania, she's not carrying anything. Okay, and then finally we see him get out of the vehicle at Mar-a-Lago. At that moment, I think technically he was still president of the United States, or it might have just switched over a couple of minutes before. Biden jumped the gun by about 45 minutes. He was he's supposed to wait until noon. They didn't wait until noon, so I'm not exactly sure where he was the moment he was not president anymore. Um, but we have video of him walking from the car to Mar-a-Lago and no documents. You think it's, uh, oh, that's too simplistic. No, 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 no. He's ultimately responsible. No, he's not, actually, especially when it comes to classified documents. And I've dealt with classified documents when I was in the Marine Corps. And you know what? We tracked those documents. We kept a record of them. You didn't just have a bunch of classified documents and then you just handed them over. You got them back. And the documents were numbered, one of three classified documents, two of three classified documents, three of three class. Somebody signed for them. 
Somebody signed them back in. There's a chain of custody with this stuff. They are out to frame the president of the United States. Once again, it's not going to work, just like it didn't work. the first. I kind of find it almost amusing. There's something, though, that's really dangerous about it. It shows the extent they'll go. They will try to ruin this country um, before they... Wait a second. Hold on. This is distracting me. Stop it with these prank phone calls. Angel says Ashley Babbitt is alive. You know what? I just, it's its staring me in the face, and it's distracting me, and it's screwing me up. Uh, all right. Who is this? Yeah. Uh, who are you? Greg? Yeah. Greg Angel from uh, New Jersey. How are you? I'm good. What the hell is this all about? Uh, you ever, <clears throat> I can't, I, I had some time, I was talking to Alexa. Alexa, you know, the uh, Amazon yeah. thing. All right, so I just, you know, I asked her a bunch of questions. I asked her, who, who killed Ashley Babbitt? And she said, according to according to my uh, knowledge, Ashley Babbitt is still alive. Oh. So apparently she's woke, or I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't have one of those Alexa things. So uh, my brother has one. I think my parents have one. I don't care for it. I don't want them listening in on everything that I'm doing. No way. You know that thing, you can tell it what to do. It's also listening to what you do, Angel. You know that, right? I know that. I know that because you, you get these things on Amazon, on the app. Oh, I was just talking about that a little while ago. And all of a sudden, oh, here, this for sale or whatever, you know. Um, Greg, while I have you on, I just I, I want to thank you for your service. Uh, and uh, my wife's a big fan of yours. Uh, since you were on Fox 5 with, uh, what was that, Escado? Mm. Uh, yeah, a long time, you know, a while back, right? Well, thanks to you and the Mrs. Pal, uh, I saw that. Now I'm I'm relieved. I, I'm for a moment there, I thought you were the guy who wanted to say Ashley Babbitt is alive. Now I see it's Alexa, and why would that get under my skin a little bit? And not you, Angel, Alexa. Um, well, I happen to know Aaron Babbitt, great guy, the widower of Ashley Babbitt. This guy wants justice. <laughs> I do too. You know, it's not the easiest case in the world. Suing the federal government's tough. And a lot of lawyers, the good lawyers, a lot of the good lawyers have been scared off. You think this is a system, uh, it's fair? It's not. It's not fair. The entire thing, you know, I actually, can I say this? Donald Trump, during one of the impeachments, was looking around for a lawyer. You know, it's like calling people, hey, do you know a lawyer? Can you recommend a good lawyer? They were harassing attorneys to stay away from Trump. Look at what they did to Rudy Giuliani, for crying out loud. Busted down his uh, door at his apartment, stole his uh, law license. And I do mean that. They stole his law license. She had no business doing that. So a lot of the great lawyers uh, want to steer clear of Donald Trump. I know he's got some good people there. And uh, I don't know. I don't know if the federal government would have pulled this crap. Who was They had that nice person. I, I don't know what kind of lawyer she is. Her name is Christina Bob. She was down there at Mar-a-Lago when this all went down. She signed it, signed the... This is a corrupt warrant, I'm telling you. Conceived by evil, sinister men. And they are out to confuse the public. Oh, yes, oh, classified documents. Oh, how could he have classified documents down there? How could he possibly have done such a thing? Well, this declassification authority that he has is is a no-joke thing. Also, he did not bring any documents himself personally. There's a agency, a very powerful agency you probably never heard of. It's called the GSA, the General Services Administration. They're like the um, the building manager. You know your building manager? Um, 
it's like the building manager of the federal government, except they manage every single building and all the facilities and all the stuff inside and the furniture and the telephones and the cell phone contracts and all that stuff. Uh, the General Services Administration is in charge of a lot of it. And uh, they were the ones who were in part charged with packing the president's stuff. The National Archives, don't trust the National Archives. Oh, how can I, why, why, why would I try to politicize the National Archives? Well, they started it. They started it. The swamp, the swamp itself. Oh, boy, it's swampy. The National Archives is a huge bureaucracy, and they hate Trump, just like everybody else in that damn swamp. Here's the proof, actually. Uh, in May of 2017, when uh, Donald Trump fired Comey, he had every reason in the world to fire Comey. Although the thing that really did it was when he said, uh, Comey said, I am nauseous with the idea in my head that uh, I elected Donald Trump. The idea makes me nauseous. He said that publicly. I think that's the reason why he got fired, actually. So he gets fired. And then the National Archives makes this big stink about how it was so unprecedented for Donald Trump to fire an FBI director. Not even Nixon fired his FBI director. Um which I wonder, technically, that may be true, although I'm not so sure about that. L. Patrick Gray, uh, I, I don't know even if that's true. But the National Archives, uh, bureaucracy was playing political partisan games on Twitter with President Trump. And, of course, they said, oh, we don't know who did this. We're going to do retraining. We know who did it. You did. Those bureaucrats. So, look, what what does this all mean? They're stupid enough. They're crazy enough to try to indict him. They are. Again, it's not Trump who poses the threat to the country or threat to democracy. It's these guys and the lengths they'll go to. And what is it about Trump that is so horrifying? The answer is nothing. That's why they had to make up January 6th. Because if you look at the record of Trump, it was like reasonable, totally reasonable and successful. That's why they let people in. They had to. They had to make him into some sort of monster. They had to go further. All the attempts to show that he was a threat to democracy didn't work. This one is backfiring, it looks like to me, spectacularly. However, I did run across some liberals this weekend, and they're like so fired up. Oh, there's a – they got a little extra kind of skip in their step. Right? You know, they're just like kind of, ooh, wow, they're tickled by this. They think they're onto something. They're not – hey – Kathy Hochul, if there's any doubt that Kathy Hochul has no business being governor, did you see her react to the Salmon Rushdie stabbing? Again, she put on that voice where she's talking to a bunch of, you know, teenagers she caught drinking in her backyard. Yeah, you know, stop this. You got to stop this. You can't do this. It's so it's not nice. Uh, we're going to go down. This state is going to go down if she's reelected or elected. You know, Governor Cuomo gets to a point. The governor of New York, for all of us, no. Is New, are New Yorkers dumb enough and high enough and lazy enough to just roll over and make this happen? A lot of them are, quite frankly. A lot, a lot of us are. A lot of liberals in this town are. Hey, have you been driving in New Jersey lately? I am never going back there again unless someone is driving for me. Even had the GPS. I didn't have to go far. I was just going to that dreamland place where they have the great big giant swimming pool and mall. Uh and I have a car that does not have a built-in uh, navigation system. So I got to hold my phone and it's the GPS. I, I don't understand why the roads have to change so quickly in name. Uh, it tells you to get off at this exit, but then 
It says get off at 3E, but then 3E never appears, and then all of a sudden it's Rutherford, and I don't know what's happening over there. We have to simplify all that stuff. The GPS is going crazy. And then my wife is saying, I think it goes this way. And she was wrong, not once, not twice, but three times about what the GPS was telling us. Uh, just, it was a traumatic experience. If you're relying on GPS and you're driving around in New Jersey, all you can do, you can't listen to the radio, you can have a conversation. All I can do is just a thousand, just focus on getting there. Maybe I should be. No, I used to, if I go east of New York City, I, I'm in charge. What is wrong with that place? The roads. And also, it seems like there's no zoning in all of New Jersey. Have you ever notice how randomly the buildings are just kind of placed anywhere anybody wants? Let's put a house right here. Let's put a building right here. It seems totally crazy to me. Not laid out well at all. Love the people. The infrastructure is a total mess. Three East, nine W. Wow. I don't know how you guys do it over there. And somebody told me, I was talking to somebody, I said, how close to the city are you? It's 15 minutes. Yeah, I'm just off of 9W. And oh, uh, Stop talking. I don't understand it. I don't understand how you guys do it. I admire it, though. Next car, which I'm getting shortly, will have a built-in GPS system. Can't use the phone. And then they call you while you're about to drive into a divider. Bad news. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Oh, here's that. Uh, come on. This is a pretend governor. Give it up. Kathy Hochul. You tell me, doesn't she sound like uh, she just sounds like a, a neighborhood woman upset with the 13 year old kids uh, sneaking into her pool? Cut 26. New York State will always stand up to protect freedom of expression, freedom of speech. And we condemn the cowardly attack on Salman Rushdie. All right, that does it, huh? We condemn. We con- what the is? Doesn't that kind of go without saying that you know we condemn some an attempted murder? We don't approve of attempted murder. I mean, what what? It, it's meaningless. Terrible. Now anybody going on a stage, <laughs> Salman Rushdie, uh, Lee Zeldin. Remember that guy took a knife. Did she condemn that? I don't think she did actually. I think she took it nice and breezy on that one after inviting or encouraging her supporters, whoever they are, to attend the Lee Zeldin event. Uh, what do we know about the uh, – so Sam and Rushdie is going to make it. Anybody know how Padma is holding up in all of this? I, I, I got to tell you, I feel bad for Sam and Rushdie for a couple of reasons. Uh, number one, he got stabbed. And number two, uh, Sam and Rushdie got married to Padma Lakshmi, uh, I don't know, 20 years ago, 25 years ago, and I knew, I just knew it, that that was a scam on her part. She wasn't into him. She married him because he was, uh, well, kind of hot at the time in terms of uh, popularity and interest, and she was, you know, an attractive woman with no discernible talent, and you ever see her on the Food Network show? She has nothing to say. Bring in the food. It tastes good. We will let you know of our decision. Nothing, nothing, nothing. So... Anyway, one of these hot chicks who finds these uh, very influential guys to uh, marry them, and she goes from one influential guy to the next, and I think uh, they each have gotten wealthier. So, Sam and Rushdie, best to you. I hear that the guy who did it is from Fairview, New Jersey. Uh, And crazy, how crazy is it that Iran, 
would be praising him in public. I mean, I'm not just talking about some wacko newspaper, but the actual like state, the actual government is saying this young man from New Jersey did a fine thing, and we're we're really impressed with him. Uh, this is uh, this is crazy, and yet we are doing business with Iran. We want to uh, re up that nuclear deal. We can't trust them. These are bad, bad people. Uh, the government that is, and for them to support something like this, uh, no, we can never we can never enter into a pact with them. They have no business in the civilized world. I'm talking about the government, uh, not the people. And uh, we can't have this. Hey, by the way, speaking of this, I was watching the uh, David Muir show. You ever see that guy? He's like ridiculously good looking. And he, uh, he he's really proud of that. And he, he's on Channel 7 weeknights, 630. More people watch this show, a new show, than any other, like 9 million viewers a night. But it stinks. And it's terribly, terribly biased. And for a couple of days, they were going on about the serial killer targeting Muslim men in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Four Muslim men had been killed and by a serial killer. Well, they catch the guy. And uh, they go on and on again about the four Muslim men who were killed by a serial killer. The suspect, his name is uh, Muhammad. They don't mention that Muhammad is Muslim. It's just fascinating to me. The victims are all Muslim, but they don't say it about the stabber. Why would they leave it out? If you're going to put it in there about the victim, and by the way, doesn't it change the story a little bit? I mean, what they wanted that story to be, I think in their heart of hearts, they wanted a white supremacist to be responsible, right? They want, they wanted some uh, neo-Nazi to be responsible. It turned out to be a Muslim, and it may have been an honor killing or something associated to that. Why wouldn't they say it? Did they think we can't handle it? They also think that we should talk like babies, right? We can't be critical of the FBI because, oh, somebody listening could think something negative about the FBI, and some lunatic somewhere may do something crazy. Folks, we don't talk in a way so that lunatics won't do something. We just can't worry about the lunatics. We have our own systems. We have law enforcement. We have mental health services. But the adults are going to have a conversation. And in America, you can say whatever you want. All right? And I can say quite clearly and quite frankly convincingly, I mean, who needs any more proof that the FBI is terrible. I mean, one horrible hoax after the next. They are always letting the bad guys slip through. They obviously have a personal vendetta against Trump. So many agents do. So why not? No, we can't do that because it could inspire some nut job. It's interesting because they, the left, went on and on for months, years about racist cops. Now, that's not true. Cops are not racist, but they went on and on saying that fueling, right? How would some negative, how would some lunatic respond to that? Well, we've seen it. We've seen it many times. They get into their car and they drive down a bunch of white people at a parade in Waukesha, Wisconsin. It's called black identity extremism, and it's a real thing. But somehow that's, uh, well, it used to be a real thing. The FBI deleted the term. You can't talk about black identity extremists. No, no, no. You can only talk about white supremacists, all right? And white supremacists now, they must be, since they all listen to Donald Trump, Donald Trump must call for peace. No, it doesn't work that way, all right? It is American. It is fair. It is true to speak out about your, whatever they are, concerns. I've got grave concerns about the FBI and what they've done and how they allowed themselves to be politicized. Shall we go? Comey, um, Mueller, 
this guy, Christopher Ray. Although, and I notice uh, Steve Ducey on Fox News, who is a great guy and a fantastic broadcaster, but I think he's uh, been drinking the woke Kool-Aid. And all of a sudden, he is, um, I don't know, it's like he's guest hosting or auditioning for a job at MSNBC. Have you noticed it? It's happening all across the board over there. Uh, what did he say today that I was like, huh, are you serious? Oh, uh, you know that if they uh, raided Mar-a-Lago, they know that there has to be something really big there. You know there's something really, really big behind this because they w- – how do you know that? How do you know that? Maybe they planted something really, really big. Or maybe they just want to do as much damage as they can, sabotage his candidacy for presidency, and then when the truth comes out, it turns out to be Nothing. Kind of like the Mueller investigation, kind of like impeachment number one, kind of like impeachment number two. But um, I don't know. Fox is a different place without Roger Ailes, the late, great Roger Ailes. Love that guy. Miss that guy. And I'll be right back. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. All right, I'm back. Yes. Uh, All right. There's one guy at Fox. Well, there are a couple of guys at Fox I like. All right. Mostly the contributors. Bill Bennett. You know who he is? Well, he's got a mixed record himself. He was the Secretary of Education under Ronald Reagan. Uh, He wrote a book called The Book of Virtues, which was a little bit much. I mean, then he went around lecturing everybody about how to be virtuous. And uh, I remember watching TV once. <laughs> I think it, I think I I think it might have been my dad who said, "Who the hell made this guy Pope?" <laughs> it was like a long time ago, decades ago. And then it turned out that he had a bit of a gambling thing. Um, I mean, he'd go to the casino, and for ten hours in a row, he'd sit there and put money in the slot machines. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I just I found that, really, but 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 backing up, he is a brilliant guy, um, a man of uh, you know, he's just he loves literature. Me too, by the way. I'm getting into literature. Did I tell you I'm reading Crime and Punishment for the first time in my life? It is the best book ever. It's the best book I ever read. I no wonder why this guy's famous in a classic. It is so good. It is a page turner. It's a thousand page long, a thousand pages long, something like that. I am inhaling this book. Uh, inhaling this book. I'm probably like 150 pages in. It's been two weeks already, but I just love it. I'm enjoying, I'm right up to the point where, uh, what's his name? Reuter is, you know, he's still hallucinating and he did, he did it. He already did it. I don't want to give too much away in this 200 year old book, but uh, great book, great book. So back to Bill Bennett. He is saying some interesting things about the FBI. I think he's right. Cut three. The larger picture, very quickly, is a crisis of legitimacy in this country. 
uh, the liberals, the progressives, feel that Donald Trump is not a legitimate person, not a legitimate candidate, wasn't a legitimate president, uh, and his followers, not much, not much better. Uh, uh, conservatives, on the other hand, believe that by the actions of this government, it has delegitimized itself. Uh, the FBI is not what the FBI should be. Well, he's right. Where do they go after that? One other guy, Greg Jarrett, pretty good at, over there. Uh, very good, actually. Cut four. What struck me about Merrick Garland is that he unwittingly undermined his own argument for an intrusive search warrant. He stood there in front of cameras and he, he said, it's our standard practice to use the least intrusive method. Well, that's a subpoena. And in fact, the yeah. DOJ and the FBI gave Trump a subpoena in early June. He complied fully with it, giving them what they wanted. So if they wanted additional documents, all they had to do was hand him another subpoena. They didn't do that. They undertook a raid. Well, what you should do is go to my Twitter, at Greg Kelly USA, and I got a picture of uh, Merrick Garland. <laughs> the, the funny thing about the picture is he's standing between Biden and Obama, and you can tell those guys are the boss. They're, they are the boss. They're still the boss. I know this is a couple of years old, this picture, but... The dynamics are such that I think Obama ultimately is calling the shots. Now, Joe Biden and the White House telling us he had no idea about this raid. Um, number one, we shouldn't believe anything Joe Biden ever says or this White House. Nothing. Nothing. He is not worthy of being believed about anything. He has been caught in so many lies. You know, I mean, the, the first that comes to mind, you know, he knows nothing about his son's business dealings. No, I know nothing about my son's business dealings. Remember that? Okay, that's that's a big one. All right, we know that he was up to it. He was in involved in all of them, so many of those dealings. He's there. He's with Hunter having a meeting with it. We have him on tape working a room in South Carolina, referring people, referring people to his son. You want to do business with me? See Hunter. Hunter's right here. Do you have a card? Well, yes, I do. They had a they had it totally down. The other thing is all those lies he told back in the eighties. All right, he is a total and complete liar. Now I think they're they think they're really cute and fancy here, uh, but Biden has been conveying telegraphing to uh, Merrick Garland through the New York Times, no less. I put this out last week on my show. Uh, the New York Times wrote a pretty for them a pretty significant story several months ago, letting it be known that. Joe Biden was frustrated that there had not been any prosecution against Donald Trump. He said he was quoted as saying that Donald Trump, he believes Joe Biden is a threat to democracy and actions need to be taken against him. They were signaling to Merrick Garland to do something and to the point that they did not have to be given a heads up. They Merrick Garland knew that he was behind the eight ball. I mean, if you're the boss and you have an employee who's, uh, you you know, you better finish that project. Finish that project. You better finish that damn project. All right. You know, if you're the employee, you just got to finish that project. You don't have, you don't, the last thing your boss wants to hear is, he comes to you and says, I'm about to finish the project. Shut up already. Finish it. We don't need to, we need to, like, you already know what you're supposed to do. I think that's what happened here. Merrick Garland knew what he was supposed to do, knew what the expectations were. I don't think Joe Biden got a heads up or anything like that. What would he do with it anyway? And talked about this on Friday. That SOB is riding his bike on the beach in South Carolina. You know, whoever you are, unless you're totally retired, I mean, I know my wife works harder than Joe Biden. Is 
working 10 times harder than Joe Biden. He's been on, again, he's staying at a billionaire's mansion in South Carolina. Very interesting. Very convenient, isn't it? This is the time that we would like to hear from Joe. What's going on with this thing? What do you think? Um, <clears throat> no, he's in uh, some rich person's uh, secluded mansion. Can't get to him. I saw him riding on the beach today. I think that was a bad mistake. You don't ride. Everybody knows you don't ride a bike on in the sand. It seems like a good idea uh, for about 10 seconds before the bike sinks into the sand. You can't do that. And Joe, I told him to get off the bike after he fell last time. Something bad's going to happen. Uh, you know, I've been telling you about this for a long time. Uh, Alex in Brooklyn, hello. Hey, Greg. Um, I, I want to ask you about this raid on Mar-a-Lago, but I first wanted to say that I understand why the FBI raided uh, President Trump's estate simply because they've already had a, a bad experience with another politician when they asked Hillary Clinton to turn over the emails. He deleted all of them. So what if Trump were to, was going to burn all these documents if they would have asked him to turn it over? But I wanted to ask. No, 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 anyway. no, no, Alex. No, absolutely not. All right. Now, number one, they didn't even they did not even um, question her the way they would question you or me or anyone else. Right. And she deleted them anyway. She deleted the emails anyway. This is not about classified information. This is definitely not about classified information. This is another trap. And if there were documents in there, absolutely, absolutely they could have been planted. Totally. You think that's far-fetched? Hey, how many documentaries do we have to see on Netflix about the, <laughs> the guilty person being prosecuted by some overzealous prosecutor? You think, Alex, that this they they had to make this move to avoid the criticism that they received in the Hillary Clinton situation? Is that is that what you're saying? Well, they learned their lesson. No, Alex, Alex, we are totally wanna... we are totally at odds here. There's nothing. I don't think we have anything else to talk about. I, I apologize, but I got to hang up on you. That's enough. Uh, that makes no. I, I just I can't. I can't. I can't hear that. I'm always being accused of what about ism? Well, yes. What about this? What about <laughs> Hillary Clinton got off so easy? What she was accused of, by the way, is 10 times worse, 10 times worse, a thousand times worse. A thousand criminal acts just to be in possession of this stuff. When you're the president of the United States, even the former president, when he got to Mar-a-Lago, when he got to West Palm Beach, he was still the president of the United States, by the way. But just look at the video, all right? I'll show you tonight. He gets on the plane without any boxes or bags. He gets off the plane without any boxes or bags. Same goes for the helicopter. You can pretend that it's far more complicated than that. No, it's not, actually. It can come right down to that. I uh, Wait, there was something else I wanted to tell you guys about. Uh, anybody watching the Hoda and Kathy Lee show? No, not, not Kathy Lee. What's her name? Jenna. Jenna was shut down by some guy named Justin. They had this guy on the show filling in for Hoda. And his name is Justin somebody. And he happens to be gay. Why do I mention that? Because he can't shut up about it. He's been on. Uh, he's like the, the substitute guy. And every time he comes on, uh, he talks about being gay. All right. And uh, all, all the. You know, the he, I guess he got made fun of uh, 30 years ago, and that was bad. And, and anyway, now he's he's proud, and that's t terrific, but shut up already. 
All right? What about something? Okay, enough about you and your gayness. Enough about me and my straightness. I mean, it doesn't matter after a, after a while, right? So the other day, he's on with Jenna. And they're, it's a stupid cooking segment, which you have to do sometimes. And they're just palling around. And Jenna, I think, puts her arm on... Uh, you know, her elbow on his shoulder, you know, like a chum, a chum might do, one of those chummy moves. And this guy, Justin, takes his arm and pushes her away mid-body, just kind of like, you step away from me. You step away. She, he does it twice. It's the weirdest thing in the world. And this is what happens when you when you promote people above their ability, beyond their experience. This guy's claim to fame really was that he's gay and from the South, all right, and he's got a story to tell. So they put him on that show, and he's talking about it, talking about it, talking about it. When he's done talking about being gay, he really doesn't have all that much else to say. And uh, Jenna, and I'm no fan of Jenna, and I'm no fan of Hoda. I don't like the show. But you, you, you expect a certain level of competence from the hosts. And one thing, so I remember, what did I do? Oh, he pushed Jenna out of the way. His excuse is that he wanted to flirt with the male guest, that he wanted to... Uh, he wanted it to just be about them. Isn't that, I mean, gosh. I remember I once took a look at a female guest, and they thought it was too long, and I got, oh, man, did I, I got globally cyberbullied for saying that somebody looked nice in a bikini. Globally cyberbullied. Uh, and back then, I wasn't as, I, 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 back then it actually bothered me. Today it doesn't bother me. Today it makes me laugh, actually. Um, anyway, what, what is that guy's name on that show? Justin, somebody or other. And, uh, he's not a good host. Justin Sylvester. Uh, he owes Jenna a major apology, Jenna Bush. And I think part of it was, look at me pushing around this uh, daughter of a president. You know, I, I'm the big shot now. Well, I mean, everybody's a person. Nobody, nobody deserves to be. And are you going to tell me Justin Sylvester after telling all those stories and, you know, you she violated your physical space by putting uh, the, the elbow on your shoulder for a half second. Are you kidding me? Something's really weird over there at NBC. It gets worse at night when Lester takes over. Uh, more on that later. I already went through the David Muir stuff. Uh, Billy is in Brooklyn, yes. How are you, Greg? Good. I am so fed up. I am so fed up with all this BS that's going on against Donald Trump and against his supporters. And I really think that all these people should be tried for treason. Treason is not, it's a difficult situation, but what they're doing is all treasonous. I don't think we're ever going to get anybody on treason. Hell, we can't even get that one guy who (laughs) lied to the FBI and lying to the FBI, Michael Sussman. Remember that we had an open and shut case against this guy in the in the Durham probe, and a jury in Washington D.C. would not convict him. All right, we're not getting anybody on treason, and um, I don't necessarily think this is treason, but it is corruption. This is a corrupt act that they are, and they are the, the Trump derangement syndrome. They have convinced themselves that Donald Trump is a threat to democracy. You know. If I thought that somebody were a threat to democracy, an existential threat to the democracy, a clear and present danger to democracy, you know what? I wonder if I would think about bending the rules to take that uh, 
to get that person. Seriously, I'm being honest. Would I bend the rules to get somebody I was convinced was a clear and present danger to America? Maybe I would. I mean, would you, Billy? I don't understand how they could think that he is a clear. Uh, I agree. I agree with you. No, no, neither do I. I. I really don't. And. That's one of the reasons why they had to frame him for January 6th, all right? They had to make that into the worst thing ever so it would even galvanize more people. I I don't understand it, but it, let me just ask, forget about Trump for a moment. If you thought, if you knew of somebody who was a clear and present danger to America, right, and the only way you could take him out was, was to bend the rules a little bit, maybe even blow him off, I mean, I think a lot of people would. Billy, I don't think I don't I, I'd, have to, I'd have to. I'd have to. Th- I'd have to think about that. If wait a second, if the if the future of the country, if America was going to go down, unless somebody went to jail, unless somebody was arrested, I'm just saying, I could, I could, I wonder. I, you know, I, I, oh, the rule of law. Yeah, I agree in the, with the rule of law, but I just wonder. Billy, think about that one. Give me a moment. I'll be back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. I'm juggling. I'm trying to gauge public interest in the uh, in the raid. Do we keep talking about it? Do I keep doing it on the show? What else has to be? To me, it's just so transparently uh, uh, corrupt. It's a scheme. But these guys, they have power and they're willing to use it. And I think they would. Uh, I think they would try to arrest Trump, indict him, uh, to influence the next election. Right? Oh, by the way, this is just how many months is it? Less than three months before the November midterm elections. That's another thing about Fox. I was hearing that, you know, most times prosecutors say we can't do anything big, dramatic, this close to an election. It's been more than a year and a half since he left office. Now, now they find these documents are missing. Now we got to go in now, right now, less than three months. This does a couple of things. It certainly changes the subject, possibly changes the, uh, the situation around the midterms. On Fox today, they said, though, oh, no, that's not true because Donald Trump isn't running for Congress. So. No, that that's that that's not true. This this is a perfectly legitimate. Uh, the timing is irrespective of the of the uh, This is okay. I don't think it is. I, they they the, <laughs> Trump is on the ballot. All right, he is in so many ways, big and small. And they're supposed to be they're supposed to be kind of attuned to this stuff. They really are. So it's very disappointing. And you know what? I really hope that Donald Trump is getting the legal advice that he deserves. They have scared off so much of the legal community. You know, there are, thank God for Rudy Giuliani and Alan Dershowitz. Wow, that guy's amazing. He is. And this is the way it's supposed to be. He is a liberal Democrat. He voted for Hillary Clinton. He voted for Joe Biden. But the guy sticks his neck out for all of us, for the Constitution. And he's not afraid to say what is happening to Donald Trump is unconstitutional and illegal. And he has been essentially shunned for saying those kinds of things. Where are the giants? Where are the people who will come forward and say that? It's true. We used to have these – we had a way of doing things. There was a right and wrong in America. Now there are just teams. Uh, if this can happen to our beloved president – I'm speaking now to the left – it can happen to one of your beloved figures too. really can. And I'm even worried about some of these Republicans and the kind of payback – they might be looking for when they take power, and they probably will. Uh, Joe in Queens, yes. Hi, Greg. How's it going? Fine. 
I just want to tell you a story. On a Saturday night, um, I went to see Pink Floyd, Roger Waters, uh, to the wall at USB Arena, right on the side of the Cross Island Parkway. Right? And I paid the all-out money to sit on floor seats for me. Wait a second. USB yeah. Arena is where? Right on the side of the Cross Island. The island is played it now. Uh, oh, you mean Elmont, the Belmont track. Correct, correct. Okay. All right. How was the concert? Terrible. I only made it 20 minutes in. Because Roger Waters apparently is a lunatic leftist, which I kind of knew they all are. So I figured if he just complained and did his rant, we'd roll our eyes and go back to the music. But as soon as it started, he started in with uh, the big screens in the background, and they kept showing wearing cops how to shoot people, like the, in particular the one in, uh, I think, Louisville, where the guy, they uh, put him in a wheelchair. He reached for the knife and the truck, and they're putting this on the screen, and they're saying his crime is uh, being black and police decide to murder him. It's just so outrageous. So my girlfriend kind of looks over at me and says, oh, this is kind of unnecessary. I go, yeah, it's just the song. It'll go away. And then at the end of the song, they put a big picture of Reagan up there. Said he killed 30,000 people in Guatemala. I said, oh, boy. And then my mood started to change. And I tell her, I said, they put Trump up there. I'm walking right out. And I said, if you're not behind me, I'm leaving you behind. I'm not staying. And a minute later, they put Trump up there. So I was so. My well, what happened? What kind of picture? Wait, wait, triggered. wait, wait. What kind of picture did they put up of Trump? And what That's happened? Big. Well, they put a big picture up there of Trump with some ridiculous statement up there that he's a war criminal. And the crowd really didn't react. The crowd was mostly older white. I would imagine they were probably down the middle. And so I said, That's it. We got up. And I guess apparently a lot of people must have got up because then the crowd started jeering and laughing. And I said, if I stop to turn around, they're just going to throw beers on me. Let's just get out of here. Oh, they were jeering and laughing at you. Correct. So well, you I'm made it. Floor, so they could see me walking out for $650. And uh, yeah, so we got outside and walked to the car and another couple came up to us and they said, oh, you're a walkout too? And I said, absolutely. And he said, uh. He goes, we're only 20 minutes in. He goes, I can't listen to two hours of that. I said, absolutely not. Wow, Joe. My my blood pressure was up. I was so mad. And I I just couldn't. And I told my father. And he says, well, you're stupid for paying that much money to go to a concert. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I like what you did. And I know sometimes it's tough to get up and you feel like very exposed and everybody's looking at you. Yeah. Yeah. I know that feeling. But you know what? Sometimes you got to just do the right thing. I admire it. By the way, Pink Floyd. I'm not a big Pink Floyd fan, but aren't they from the UK? Yes, he's definitely British. In the beginning of this, when he first comes on, he tells everybody to shut your cell phones off. And he says, if you don't like my politics, F off. And I was kind of just rolled my eyes like, that's just, okay, no big deal. But then when he just kept going and going and going, it was like getting assaulted at a political rally. I'm like, what am I doing here? Why am I listening to this? Wow. That was, yeah. uh, Thank you. No, no, no. I love it. I love it. Who opened for Pink Floyd, by the way? No, there was no opening act, and it wasn't even Pink Floyd. It was just Roger Waters. He wrote The Wall, because I think half of them are dead now anyway. Yeah. So uh, he just got, gets up there and does The Wall, which is an awesome album. That's where I went. I we don't, don't need no education. That's that song, right? Yes. That was the song where they put Reagan up there, another brick in the wall. Yeah. And it's so funny, because think about it now. They're the ones in charge now. They're the ones with the fascist government now. Not us, the conservatives. You know, he's bitching about Reagan. We're, we're bitching about... Well, in um, fairness to I, him, he was bitching about, forgive me, but he was bitching about Reagan in the 80s. I mean, Reagan was a, the, 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 the pop culture scene, you know, the UK, they didn't like Reagan back then either. Right? Right. Right. 
Yeah, right, well, the old right. punk records, they all have the picture of Reagan on the front. Yeah, the yeah, they thought he was, uh, no, they yeah. didn't understand. They didn't understand now, uh, then, and they don't understand now. All right, Pink Floyd, you're on Thank my you. list. I'm not going, hey, one other thing. What is this concert like? Is it, what is that arena like? I haven't been there. I thought very they, nice. it very is. New, very nice. And it's right yeah, next door new, to Belmont, nice. right? Yes, you could walk right through Belmont right there. Yeah, it's beautiful. They charge you $50 to park, though. $50 I kind of wish the, uh, $50 to park? And there's no other options because if you go on Hempstead Turnpike, you can't park your car. You have to park in that lot for $50. Oh, my gosh. Uh, seventeen fifty for a beer. Oh, man. All right. I'm staying home. <laughs> Thank you, sir, very much, Joe. Thanks for the call. I'm going to do something with that possibly tonight. Oh, I got to go. I'll be right back. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh-oh. FBI DHS threat warned that threats to federal law enforcement have spiked since the Mar-a-Lago search. Uh, what do you want us to do about that? What they're trying to do is demonize anybody who's got concerns about this. I have concerns about this, and it's America, and you're allowed to voice our concerns, your concerns about what is obviously a corrupt endeavor by the Justice Department weaponizing the FBI. We can say that out loud. Is there some lunatic somewhere who may take that information and do something horrible? I don't know. I hope not. That's not a rational way to behave. But if it wasn't (laughs) this crisis, it would be some other crisis, all right, that would set that individual off. You know, I, I noticed that this conversation uh, you know, oh, the rhetoric is so damaging and so dangerous, and oh, and the guy in Cincinnati, and everybody needs to simmer down and not weigh in, not question the FBI. No, it doesn't work that way. You know, I did not tell the other side that they have to watch their mouths when, uh, uh, remember the crazy left-wing nutbag showed up at that ball field in Virginia and shot up all the members of Congress playing, including Steve Scalise? Guess what? He was a great big Bernie Sanders fanatic and a Trump hater. Okay. I guess could I, I I don't blame Bernie Sanders for that. I don't blame the left for that, actually. I don't. I know there are some conservatives who do, but we can't be responsible on the left or the right for what these maniacs are going to do. And we should not be inhibited with our speech we obviously condemn violence. It is not legal, and we have laws against it, and we have law enforcement. But we can have a full, an open discussion about this stuff, and they're trying to censor us. And when they try to do that, you know what happens? You get a lot of self-censorship. A lot of people not saying what they know is right, but for fear, oh, I don't want to, you know, something could happen. I don't know. Something could happen. Uh, I don't know. Hey, John Radcliffe is one sharp guy, member of Congress, former member of Congress, former DNI. And here's his um, he he brings up the Hillary Clinton case and compares it to the Trump case. And apparently there's no comparison. Cut 19. 
Being grossly negligent and being careless, Jim Comey told us, that's not enough under the Espionage Act. You have to know that you're violating the law and that he couldn't prove that Hillary Clinton knew she was violating the law. Therefore, she couldn't be charged. Uh, here's James Comey saying that in July of 2016. 17, please. Although there is evidence of potential violations of the statutes regarding the handling of classified information, our judgment is that no reasonable prosecutor would bring such a case. All right. Well, and here we are. She had her own server, her own. Who does that? Who in the world does something like that? Do you have your own server? No. I don't even know my Wi-Fi password half the time. All right? I got Wi-Fi. All right? I got an Internet connection on my own server. I don't even have a I have a what do I I don't even have a computer anymore. I have an iPad. Works just fine. Um she did that. She knowingly she was up to something. I think there was a guy named um Burton. I think his name was Burton from Indiana. He was the head of the investigations uh committee in the 90s. And she learned the lesson then. The government owns your email if you are working for the government and it's a government email account, .gov. That is a government email and they own it. So you can't really be, if you're Hillary and you're up to something, you can't be totally candid in email. So she did a lot of business on her own email and her own server because the government, in her mind, could not uh, did not own that stuff. Talk about consciousness of guilt. I think that... Uh, so she was burned. She figured out a way to get around it and it actually ultimately worked for her or did it. I don't know. I don't know how she feels. I don't really care. I do think that she is possibly pulling the strings behind all of this. They are desperate to install a Democrat in the White House uh, they know Kamala cannot be elected. So who would be next? Who is a Democrat of stature that they could get in there? It's not Pete Buttigieg. I know the New York Times loves him. The woke left loves that guy. He doesn't – he just doesn't work, all right? If you want to know why, take a look at the reception he received in South Carolina during the primary in 2020, all right? He's not going anywhere. The only way he could get in there is by being appointed vice president. And if Kamala were to drop out, I could possibly see that happening. If Kamala were to quit for some reason, like maybe getting uh, going to rehab, and I do think she needs help, and I hope she gets it, you know. It takes one and no one. Hey, I've been there. I know what it's like to be hooked, and I think she's hooked. I really do, and I hope she gets the help that she needs. That goes for uh, Hunter Biden as well. Hunter was using crack as recently as 2019 that we know of. Is he over it totally? Um, gosh, they're raiding, they're raiding Mar-a-Lago. But Hunter Biden doing all that crazy business with Ukraine, 10% for the big guy, commuting to China, all kinds of credible allegations of wrongdoing, and they're picking on Trump. Shelly, what's going on with Sheryl Crow? I saw her on the TV this morning. Hello? Yes. What's going on with Sheryl Crow? Well, Sheryl was there to promote some of her music. But she was also there to talk about the reboot, the remake of Woodstock in 1999. And, and? it was horrible. It was horrible. They didn't have enough uh, restroom facilities. There were cops there. There were people passing out. It was hotter than heck. Sounds and like it was the first said, time. Wasn't it kind of like that the first time? 
Exactly. Yes. I was 15 then. So, yeah, I kind of remember it. But anyway, towards the end of the segment, she compared the 1999 remake of the Woodstock to the January 6th insurrection. As a joke? No, no. That was fact. She said, this is what, what happens when things go awry. Well, what do you want? She's a dopey celebrity. Uh, I must, you know, it's it's funny. It's funny, though. I had that on in the background. I was at the gymnasium this morning, the gymnasium, I call it. And I was working out and I had that. The TV was on and um, she did her song. I noticed a couple of things. And even though it was the TV was 20 feet away from me and I couldn't hear what they were saying. uh, My observations and tell me if I'm right. Number one, the song was dreary and terrible. Am I right so far? Uh-huh. Okay. Number yeah. two, the the conversation was very awkward with the uh with the hosts. And I think she was trying mm-hmm. to put them in, in their place. Am I right on that? Oh, of course. And she and she always has. I mean, I used to love her back in the day. And I'm she's very touchy about very touchy about what you can ask her. I've met plenty of celebrities about that. They don't just roll with it. There's one other thing I wanted to say about that. I guess that's it. The song sucked and she was kind of mean to the hosts. But but they they take every opportunity they can to attach something to January 6th. I never watched the Today Show because actually I'm from Ohio. I'm just out here visiting, and I never watch Hoda, whatever all those people are. But there she was, and have to have to apply it to January 6th. Yeah, I would have burst out laughing if it was me. Yeah, I mean right. the, the, the comparison is absurd, obviously. And uh, so you're in Ohio. But you're only here. What are you doing on Long Island? What do I do? In, I'm no, retired. what are you doing on Long Island? You're in you're in Long Island right now, right? Oh, I'm at my friend's place on the North Shore. And then yep. and then Walking you the beach and collecting shells. Oh, okay. How'd and you find out about my radio show? Uh, he streams WABC at home. Okay. Well, he listens to you all. All right. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, we're a, we're a big fan. And thanks so much for putting out what you put out every day. Oh, well, thank you, Shelly. Shelly, thank you very much. Safe travels. And it's funny that funny that we both saw the same thing. She's crazy. Hey, and everybody, we will never thank you, Shelly. We'll never forget Ashley Babbitt. And we're doing it every single day on the Newsmax show. We if whether there's news or not about Ashley Babbitt, uh, we put her picture up and we talk about the number of days since it's been since her life was so uh, wrongly taken. And whether there's news or not, uh, we mention it. And uh, we demand justice. And you know what? I have a feeling that when and if the Republicans take power, and I'm pretty sure they will, I'm going to have to even increase the pressure because I've talked to some of these guys, some of these Republicans, and I even like some of these guys. And they're very reluctant to talk about that. Oh, she was in the wrong part of the Capitol. Are you kidding me? Death for trespassing? So there are some of these guys I'm going to lean on really hard. I don't expect much from Democrats. But uh, some of these Republicans, I mean, <laughs> uh, the Karen thing I see is uh, not going away. I was hoping that would be a fad, you know, this whole um, uh, calling uh, any woman who is dares stick up for herself or dares to assert herself or dares to see something that's wrong and call it out. Well, if you're white and of a certain age, they're going to call you a Karen. And that's horrible. And now they have new Karen dolls, I see. A company in Pennsylvania has... Uh, Put together a Karen doll, 
And of course, it's a very negative depiction. It's you know like you know bossy lady, you know not minding her own business, going where she shouldn't go, and they make her look unattractive. It's like a doll. It's like a GI Joe, and they're trying to make something of it. Uh, to the poor Karens out there, I mean, you know, Karen was one of the most popular names in the 1960s. It was like the third most popular name for girls. Now it's way down on the list. And oh, by the way, there are plenty of. Uh, there are plenty of people of color named Karen. It's not fair to anybody. And you know who it's most unfair to? I guess I, I think of her as the original whatever, but that Amy Cooper in Central Park. you got to go look at that tape and look at the Facebook posts. Now, the tape doesn't tell you the whole story. That woman was being stalked by that man. That woman had every right to call the police and summon them because she had every it was completely appropriate for her to feel threatened because she was she was absolutely threatened the entire country the entire fake news media establishment lied about her they just lied about her they don't stop and if they're not lying they're too gosh damn lazy to figure it out for themselves to go to what was his name his name was cooper too and guess what? He got himself a TV show out of that. No kidding. This fall, you can go birding with that nut job. Extraordinary birder, it's called, on Nat Geo. You know, every everybody seems to want a TV show. Everybody thinks they can do a TV show. Uh, Nat Geo with that birder. Anne in Mineola, hello. Hey, Greg. Um, I love your show. I just wanted to tell you, I, I listen to you every day. When you said this morning uh, the comment about Steve Ducey on Fox & Friends, I was watching it, and I almost dropped my coffee. I don't know what's going on over there, but it's, I'm very demoralized about what's happening with the FBI, what they're doing to our president, our former president. Um, I'm living on liberal Long Island, and it's, um, it's so biased, and they were supposed to be the, um, the warriors for freedom of speech. I am... I don't know what to do. I'm well, very upset. All right, Ann, hold on. Let's not get demoralized, all right? You've got friends everywhere, friends you haven't even met, okay? Uh, there are so many people who believe in what you believe, and they're right out next to you. Uh, yeah, I would say even liberal Long Island. And it's not that liberal out there. It's not that liberal. Come on, Nassau County, Suffolk County. I think Suffolk County went red in 2020, didn't it? Didn't it? Uh, it? It did. We, um, we elected uh, Blakeman. No, I'm but talking about, yeah, you amended Blakeman in Nassau, but you also, Suffolk County voted for Trump in 2020. So uh, don't be demoralized. Be fired up. Be engaged. Write letters. Don't be afraid. I told you about writing letters. People like to call you know, and complain. you got to write a letter. Put it in writing. It'll feel great. Tell your congressman. Who's your con? Oh, I guess you got a selection to make, right? Isn't there? Uh... We, um, I can vote early. I'm probably vote later today. But Steve Ducey, it really, I have to, I have to say, it really shocked me. I thought, what? Didn't you go through the Russia hoax for three years, and you saw what they did to this man? And he's saying that it's plausible. What, what they're doing at Mar-a-Lago. And did you notice anything else? Did, did you know anything else about the Fox? Because I caught it myself that all three of them seem to be sick of each other. They just seem to be yeah. totally over each other. Do you know when they have that chit-chat about, uh, I don't know, whatever view they're looking at, whatever song it is this morning, I think it was Maine, and uh, they're just 
they have a nonsensical conversation about it that's awkward and goes on way too long. And they're all like literally rolling their eyes at each other. So, Brian Kilmeade, I mean, I, I do agree with much of what he says, and he can't even look up anymore. He just has to look down. And uh, Ainsley, I don't know. I never had a tremendous amount of regard for Ainsley. I'm sure she's a nice woman. That's just, uh, I don't know. Uh, they're all nice people, but they all have bosses, and uh, they're pretty good broadcasters, too. But that show, I don't know. It needs uh Roger Ailes needs to uh, straighten it out. If he could, he would. And thank you. Don't be demoralized, all right? Hang in there. It's going to be great. I feel it. All right. Thanks, Greg. You bet. Okay. Take care. I feel it. I do. I, I mean, I, I just, uh, oh, I should have told her. I should have told her to do what I've been doing again regularly, kind of like brushing my teeth, reading that Bible. Reading that Bible. Wow. And uh, next time you get discouraged, oh, just make it part of your life. I'm telling you, everything starts to change. Everything. Everything in my life. Everything. I would have been dead by now, seriously, had I not started reading and getting closer to God. I would have been dead, dead, totally dead. <laughs> All right, give me a moment. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. You know, that guy called about the Pink Floyd concert, which I'm told sucked. Uh, I would not. The last concert I went to, which was pretty nice, it was Billy Joel at Nassau Coliseum, you know, the new one. And I like Billy Joel, but there was something about it. It was just like, I don't know, with the phone or whatever and music, music. We can get music so easily. You don't have to go to a concert. I don't know. It just doesn't seem like uh, the thing to do anymore. It seems... And nobody sits down at the concert, which is kind of annoying. I wish people would sit and enjoy. Everybody stands up, and uh, it's not necessary. It's totally not necessary. Johnny Z, you were at the Pink Floyd concert. What happened? Greg, how you doing, my friend? Good fan, and uh, worked under your father's regime back in the day, just to let you know. Let me get that off my chest. Um, Can you hear me okay? Yeah. Okay. So, real quick, back to the concert Saturday night. The other caller said... He was spot on. The show was amazing. The stage show was amazing. He started with that old political stuff. And I've seen him before, so I know he was like that. But it was a different time when he did in the past. This one now, with the the whole way the city's going, it was overkill. He started in with Reagan. He went to Bush. He started working his way up to Trump. And I, my wife, who doesn't really say much, is like, this is really crazy. All of a sudden, he brings up Clinton. War criminal. Then he goes to Joe Biden and says, just getting started. Future war criminal. So it's clear to me that this guy's just a pure communist. Hates America. It's not just a leftist or a rightist. You know what I mean? Yeah. What's his name again? Waters? Roger Waters from Pink Floyd. He's one of the main guys. Uh, his counterpart is Dave Gilmore. He's playing next month. I'm going to see him instead. He's not as political uh, from the Pink Floyd guys. Can I ask you, though, uh, what is it? Do you know what I mean about the concerts? I mean, it's loud. you got to stand, uh, parking. Who it needs it? $50 parking, ridiculous, and you have to wait for a shuttle if you're far away. Otherwise, you got to walk. And when you do get to the concert, you said people stand up. That's why I don't get the really good seats because down on the floor, everybody stands through the whole show. So we kind of get out of the uh, where the arena starts to go up a little bit, and you can kind of see pretty good. I know, but, but these are all songs. Biden's these are all songs you know. I mean, I don't know. It I doesn't seem doesn't appeal to me. 
It's not the same thing. And when Joe Biden, when his face, his face came on the screen, my section started doing the let's go Brandon chance. So it wasn't everybody <laughs> that was on their side. People were booing, but I don't know if they were booing because what he was saying or they were booing because they saw Trump's face. So it was kind of a mixed crowd, but we stuck it out. We stayed there to the end. And uh, ridiculous, though, $18 a beer, like he said, and yeah. $15 for a cocktail. All right, Johnny, I'm going to do it. something about this tonight on Newsmax. Thanks for confirming all that. I will. Uh, hey, by the way, you know what? They, whose face they should have shown? And I think there would have been near unanimity in booing and throwing beer and rocks at the screen would have been Adam Schiff. Excuse me. What is Adam Schiff still doing on television, please? Cut one, if you don't mind. Some of those documents were marked top secret, sensitive compartmented information. Uh, that is among the highest designation in terms of the, the extremely grave damage to national security that could be done if it were disclosed. So when it comes to this national security stuff and documents and classification, number one, they overclassify. By that we mean um, they just unnecessarily mark something secret or top secret. It's overdone. People on both sides of the aisle have pointed this out. Uh, and Schiff, Schiff is classic. He really does represent the swamp. You know, they have volumes and volumes and stacks and stacks of uh, regulations and rules you got to follow. And But the rules are meant to serve us. We don't serve the rules, okay? And I think what they're trying to do, actually, I know what they're trying to do is uh, use the rules against Trump. You know, find him in a trap. Get him. It's like a corrupt cop following somebody, just aching to pull him over finding any reason whatsoever. Last week I used the analogy of uh, not coming to a complete stop at a stop sign, all right, and then uh, then they're off to the races. They pull you over. They uh, Is your insurance guard up to date? Oh, you know, you're giving me lip. I think you're giving me lip. Next thing you know, you're in handcuffs. That's kind of what they're doing. Who knows the movie Lords of Discipline? It came out in the early 80s. It doesn't work perfectly. I'm trying to find a clip where I can that embodies what I'm talking about. So in the Lords of Discipline, there were these cadets at a military school, and they were on the outs, okay? Uh, Nobody liked them, and they were good guys, but they were being unfairly harassed by the senior cadets. So they would come in there during room inspection, and as soon as they walked in, they'd be like, up, too much dust, four demerits, up, shoes not shine, two demerits, and they were just like imaginary stuff. That's what they did to Trump. That's what they're doing to Trump, right? So I'm trying to find a clip like that from a movie or a TV show because it's a little bit long and it's not perfect. If you think of one, let me know. Give me a moment. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. (laughs) From Donald Trump. Do Do you believe this? We put it out on Truth Social just a little while ago. Wow. In the raid by the FBI at Mar-a-Lago, they stole my three passports. One expired, along with everything else. This is an assault on a political opponent at a level never seen before in our country. Third world. Absolutely right. Gosh. <laughs> this is uh, it's kind of comical. Everything they said they wouldn't be. Oh, we will not politicize. No, no. The just Justice Department, independent, totally independent of Joe Biden. No way. This is their all boy. They are so in, so committed, such liars. Every single one of them, um, man, they took his passports. Now, a judge sometimes will order specifically that the passport be turned in. I've never heard of uh, law enforcement just taking it like that. That's something up to a judge. They took his passports. 
All right, some Newsmax reporting here. Republicans stepped up calls on Sunday for the release of an FBI affidavit showing the justification for its seizure of documents at former President Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago home amid reports of heightened threats against federal law enforcement personnel. Uh, A search warrant released last week after the unprecedented search showed that Trump had 11 sets of classified documents at his home and that the Justice Department had probable cause to conduct the search based on possible Espionage Act violations. Now, this is all a crock, by the way. Espionage Act violations. Oh, this is a trap. This is a trap. A trap. A trappity trap. Hey, did you hear that a New York City yellow taxi driver was beaten to death in Queens? Yeah. A New York City taxi driver was killed early Saturday in Queens when he chased down passengers who tried to rob him. Kutin Giyama, 52, a married father of four young kids, was dropping off the five people around 6.30 in the morning at Beach 54th Street and Arvern Boulevard in the Rockaways when the senseless violence unfolded. He ran after the group to confront them when at least one of the passengers took a swing at the cabbie, sending him flying to the street where he cracked his head near Arvern Playground. The would-be thieves then took off toward Beach Channel Drive, security footage obtained by the Post, from a nearby bodega, Delhi, from the block shows. Responding officers found the Bronx man lying in the roadway near a playground about a half block away with trauma to the back of his head. He was pronounced dead at St. John's Hospital. Wow. This is from Fernando Mateo. This is a poor, hardworking man. How can you leave your home and not return? This is outrageous. We are angry. We are in disbelief. We want justice. Absolutely. Ah, now his widow, Abigail, with whom he shared kids ages three, five, seven, and eight. Now a GoFundMe page has been set up. It's raised $17,000 so far. Uh, How do we find that GoFundMe page? How do we find it, by the way? Do we know? How do you find a GoFundMe page? All through the worst days of the uh, pandemic, he was one of the few who still drove a cab to provide support for our cities and its citizens. Oh, gosh. You know, I just talked to a cab driver. His name is Hussein. I actually interviewed him for a podcast. They don't mind when I mention the podcast every now and then. I got a podcast, the Greg Kelly podcast. You can check it out. Long-form interviews. And uh, my last one that I did last week uh, with uh, Hussein, the cab driver, just finding out all about that life. It's fascinating. It's hard work. The unruly passengers. How about this? And by the way, he probably, this guy lives in the Bronx. He was dropping passengers off in, or robbers off, in Rockaway. Probably owed him a lot of money. You know, if they came from Brooklyn or Manhattan, that's a long trip. That's a really long trip. Can you imagine going all that way and they stiff you? I'd get out of the car. Although these days, no, I won't get out of the car. You know, I used to think that I'd fight if somebody tried to steal my watch or my, my wallet. Uh, those days are over. Uh, you just uh, you got to keep your life. That's the most important thing. Um, I'm so sorry about this. This is really bothering me. Kutin G-Y-I-M-A-H, 52 years old. Now, I think I have something about this here. Um, do we, Yeah, this is a report on Fox 5. Who's Lizette Nunez? Let's see. Cut 27. Was a good, good man. 
A grieving widow devastated after her husband was beaten to death. 52-year-old Kutan Jaima was a taxi cab driver and a father of four young children. Police say early Saturday morning, Jaima was dropping off five passengers along Beach 54th Street in Far Rockaway. Investigators say the passengers didn't pay their fare and tried to rob him. That's when police say Jaima chased them and was hit in the back of the head, fell to the ground, lost consciousness, and later died at the hospital. These are four children that are going to grow up with no father. And I'm angry because this could have all been avoided. Sunday morning, members of the New York Federation of Taxi Drivers called for justice in this heinous attack. His colleagues remembering him as kind and a hard-working man. This was a gentleman who never stopped driving during the worst days of the pandemic when the city absolutely shut down. This gentleman drove his cab. And Big Apple Taxi is offering a $15,000 reward for any information that leads to an arrest. You know... It's interesting. We're critical of the FBI right now because of this obviously corrupt act, and we're raising questions about them. And we are being hit hard by the left. How dare you question the FBI? You're putting them at risk. All right, easy does it, okay? First of all, you know, most people uh, don't know an FBI agent, have never seen an FBI agent. They wouldn't know an FBI agent if they saw one. All right, just relax, all right? This is a big, uh, we're all big people, all right? We're all adults. And yes, there are some lunatics out there who are going to overreact. But, but now, how about on the other side? Because there was a sustained, uh, continual, just downgrading of police, law enforcement, criminal justice. Right? It's been going on for years, but it really, really kicked in with Black Lives Matter summer and George Floyd in 2020, and that complete overreaction. All right, so. We have a situation where law enforcement has essentially been delegitimized. Cops try to arrest somebody. They're heckled. People throw bottles at them, throw water on them. Uh, Everybody breaks out their cell phones, especially young uh, teenagers. Yeah, see it all the time. They have no legitimacy. They can't can't do their job anymore. And they are a, uh, what is it, uh, the instrument of a fundamentally racist, uh, white supremacist society, right? So that kind of crap that has been allowed to fester unchecked, no one even calls it out anymore. It's just normal. It's just normal to speak that way about law enforcement and about America. You know, white, found by, founded by white supremacists, for white supremacists, by white supremacists. Well, this, that toxic nonsense, I believe, has led to situations like this. And that poor guy who happens to be, my sense is, uh, putting it all together, that he is... Uh, not a native of America, and he might be a person of color, the driver. See who's paying the price for all that stuff? Not David Muir, okay? Not Chuck Scarborough. Oh, I'm sorry, Joe Scarborough. I love Chuck Scarborough. I got to take that back. Chuck Scarborough is one of the greatest guys in the world. Joe Scarborough, I can't stand. Go to my Twitter. I got him. Oh, no, I haven't posted it yet. I put it on on the show last week. He says it like this, fascist, fascist, and people who have a TV show. Uh, very strange way of communicating. Uh, Sandra is in New Jersey. Hello. Good afternoon, Greg. I missed you Friday night. Your host did very well, however. Um, but what I wanted to say today was, um, last week I was listening to Rob Astorino, 
Very, very nice in there, no question. But I was disappointed. I think he's drinking some of that woke Kool-Aid. He was basically saying that Trump should step aside and let's keep everything calm and peaceful and have somebody else instead. And and the people were calling back saying they don't agree. They want Trump. And then today, Bill O'Reilly said, based on what has happened with this raid, Trump's ratings are going up. So people want to stand for what's right and not give in and become enablers and, and, and give the left everything they want by giving in. Do you agree? Uh, I don't agree with Rob Astorino as much as I like him. Um, you know, you think they're going to you think they're just going to make it easy for Rob. I'm sorry for uh, Ron DeSantis. No way. They're already calling him a fascist. This man must be stopped. He's a threat to democracy. I've heard it all. The same stuff they say about Trump. They say about him already. Ron DeSantis. So there's no appeasing these people. And I know the tendency. I can see it. I've heard it myself. Well, Trump fires him up so much. Let's find somebody you know, more appealing or, or who won't set them up. No, that is a losing game. And you don't let them win like that. Now, I am That's concerned. Right. I, I got to tell you, I am concerned because I think I want Trump back. I think he will get back. My chief worry, though, is that this will be seen by them as a license. All right. I'm going to do this is just my opinion here. OK, to steal it all over again. All right. To mess with the election like they did in 2020. They'll they'll feel morally entitled to do so because you hear it as well, right? Oh, he's an existential threat to democracy. He's a clear and present threat to democracy. If I believe somebody was a clear and present threat to democracy, I might even be tempted to bend the rules a little bit if I thought that they would bring on the destruction of America. And that's what they've convinced themselves. Some of them. Most of them know they're lying. So it puts me in a that's an interest. That's a bit of a pickle, isn't it, Sandra? I mean, uh, ethically, a the hypothetical. What if you, you know, there was somebody you opposed anyway, and you thought of them as a threat to democracy and our way of life, and that America might be washed away if that person gets in office? I mean, would you be tempted to possibly bend the rules? Well, you know I what I mean. Know. A I, little I bit, right? Yeah. I. <laughs> A little bit. I mean, I let's be honest, a little bit. I mean, I got to tell you, I mean, I would if, if 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 Barack Obama were coming back and I knew knowing what I know about him now, you know what? I just uh, well hope for the best on Election Day. Probably I would. But I, I don't know. I might think about, OK, well, I mean, I don't know. You hear what they say. They say they won't even let him get near the Oval Office. That means they want to take him out before Election Day. They don't. They're not confident enough they can rig this election in time. Know what I mean? Yes. All right. How are you? you? Know, I'm, I'm, I fell off my bicycle the other day, but I'm okay. Wow. <laughs> wait a second. Uh, what the hell? What? Why? Where? What were you doing? Well, what happened was I was riding on the promenade, and I was going near the ferry, and there were a lot of people. So, big, you know, I wanted to be a big shot, so I said, I think I'm going to take – the uh, slim route, go behind the bench next to the curb. I think I can sit to bypass the people, and I fell. Okay, listen, do me a favor, <laughs> all right? No more bike riding, all right? Your days of riding a bike should have ended in junior high school. Mine did, no, all right? No. I don't, no, no, wait, no, wait. no, no, no. Listen to me on this, okay? I've seen too many people fall, people I know and love, also Joe Biden, okay? He's fallen on this damn I, I got A good friend of mine had a horrible, horrible fall, similar circumstances, right there on the water, wanted to skirt around a crowd. He, uh, he, he had a compound fracture. His bone was sticking out of his skin. Like, what are you doing on this silly bike? 
We're adults. Oh, Drive a it. car. I love it. I love it. I, I listen to talk right. radio when I'm riding. No, my no. Do you wear a helmet? <laughs> uh, sometimes. Yeah, right. All I'm right. Being honest. All right. Look, I'm being honest, too. I would, I would, instead of riding a bike, I would fly a jet right now to an aircraft carrier in rainy weather at night. And I haven't done that in 20 years. I would take my chances doing that than riding a bike right now. It's too damn dangerous. People don't understand. The only place I ride a bike, there's a little small community and nobody's there. I do it twice a year in Florida and there's no one there. All right? I mean, like three people you might see. And like, that's it. I'm not doing it. Neither should you, Sandra. Stick to the piano. No, no, I also swim. I do 100 laps when I swim. All right, that's fine. You're getting plenty of exercise. It's, the pool is safe. The bike is not, all right? Anyway, thank you so much. All's, uh, and we miss B, of course. What a what a great lady. I miss my mom very much every single day. I can't stand it, but... Uh, but you know what, Greg? I'll tell you one more thing. She is so... She's turning in her grave over what's happening. And you know what? I don't think she could have handled all this anyway. So maybe I don't know. Oh, she would have been fine. Him. She would have been. She would have handled it. Look, he's. It, it, I know what you mean, though. I know it would have. Uh, it, a lot of what we're seeing is heartbreaking, but. We're going to win. Thank you, Sandra. Thank you all. Give me a moment. Hi, it's Ernie Anastas. You know, your thoughts can affect how you feel, and how you feel can impact your thoughts. Addressing your mind and body connection is the key to improving your overall wellness. Bergen Newbridge Medical Center is the largest hospital in New Jersey, providing comprehensive, equitable, compassionate, and high-quality emergency inpatient and outpatient medical care, plus mental health services and substance use disorder treatment. The Bergen Newbridge team can address your total health needs in one convenient location. Call 201-225-7130 for an appointment or newbridgehealth.org. Greg Kelly Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Honored once again to have with us uh, the host of the Rudy Giuliani Show, Mayor Rudy Giuliani. Mayor Giuliani. (laughs) Wow. You are a living legend. Do you realize that? (laughs) I am. (laughs) Don't you realize that? Uh, I don't know about a legend, but... Something or other. A living legend. Seriously. Larger than life. What you did will never be erased from history, even though they're trying. They're desperately trying. You know, I realized, I looked at your career. They <laughs> Nothing really went wrong until you signed up with Trump, and then they all came after you. I was America's mayor until then. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And Oprah Winfrey. Uh, uh, tell me. I think Oprah Winfrey is the one who named me America's mayor. Uh President of France, Rudy. Time Magazine. Rudy the Rock, Rudy the Rock, Time Magazine, Man of the Year. And the only thing really has been Trump. the association with Trump, which, by the way, I applaud you for. Again, I know history is going to be very kind and to being, you. And being his lawyer. Being his lawyer, of course, yeah. So uh, regarding all this, you are trending right now on Twitter. Let me, uh, as you know, Rudy Giuliani, the personal attorney to former President Donald Trump, is now a target of the widening Whoa. election interference investigation. Led by the Fulton County District Attorney. Oh yeah, he's a really very solid guy. <laughs> he just, oh yeah, I, Fulton County. Every other mayor goes to jail. I think. Before we, can I just say this? I mean, my understanding is regarding the election of 2020, these state lawmakers throughout the country had no clue about their authority and their responsibility when it came to certifying that election. Is 100%, that right? Hundred percent. Hundred percent. The people in Georgia were shocked. 
when I told them about Article 2, Section 1, Clause 2 of the Constitution, which gives the state legislatures the peremptory and superior power to set the ground rules for an election, which therefore made what was done by the Secretary of State in Georgia unconstitutional, as the courts now in Pennsylvania and Wisconsin have so held. But they waited until after the election. But as the president pointed out in his last speech, what they held just a couple of weeks ago makes the election procedures in in, uh, in uh, 20 illegal. You know, I remember learning this in, I think it was first grade. It couldn't have been first grade. No, because I, I was shocked when I learned about the Electoral College that they said the electors don't necessarily, they can vote any way they want, any way they want. They're not compelled. And I was shocked. This was, I'm not kidding. This had to be in 1979 or 1980 when I learned this. You know, that's the way we put together our republic. We have a lot of, we have a lot of incentives for them not doing that. They can be penalized. They can be sued. I mean, lots of things can happen. But ultimately, they get the choice. But the Supreme Court in 1897 held that the ultimate power to decide on the electors is with the state legislature. Congress has no role in it, Mm -hmm. unlike uh, the Congress, where they they have a joint role with the state legislature. That's in Article 1. Article 1 says state legislature and Congress. Article 2 says just state legislature. So the reason for that is that if there was a dispute about the presidency, they wanted the choice made by the body closest to the people. Mm. They didn't trust Congress. Mm -hmm. They trusted the state legislatures more because they were the people who came from the land. They were the people who came from the cities. They were the people who won the revolution. There was no national government. So let me ask you this. What's going on in Georgia? I mean, uh, they're oh, coming on in Georgia? I mean, no, no, are you going to be okay? I mean, they're coming after I, you. Uh, who knows? Like. I mean, they, they put anybody in jail they want. I'm a lawyer. How they can be doing this to me is absolutely absurd. Everything I did in Georgia, I did not as a witness. They had me as a material witness first. I can't be a witness. I was his lawyer. I appeared before that committee as his lawyer making the best possible arguments for him. For example, I've been accused of doctoring the Ruby Freeman video. Mm-hmm. I've never seen it, except on in camera. I've never touched it. It was not done by me. It was done by the sports arena. I saw it for the first time when I arrived there. I've never had it in my hands. I couldn't possibly have doctored it. Can I ask you That's this? That's a complete lie. On that, on that um, phone call where Trump is, uh, I think, look, this is a guy who believes he won, and I think he has a lot of reason to think that. And when he says, you know, I'm just looking for 11,000 votes, to me it was clear. It's like, you guys, look, I know they're out there. Find them. He's not saying – but they're trying to say he knew they were out there and he's saying find them. That's not criminal. But they're ignoring the fact that the state senate had two hearings, at least one of them before that, in which people testified that they were forced to to file uh, uh, illegal votes. There were people who testified who said, I never voted, and somebody voted for me. There are people who testified and, and said they saw ballots that were, that were phony ballots. The, the, the Ruby Freeman thing, uh, they keep saying, oh, I allege they were false ballots. I allege they were illegal ballots because there's nobody observing in the room under the law, under the law of Georgia. If you don't count the vote publicly, yeah. it can't be counted. So here's my concern. So I was arguing the law and they want to put me in jail. Trump has been so vilified, unfairly, but vilified constantly. If you're just going about your business in America, you know, you hear it all the time. He's a monster. He's an existential yeah, threat. He's why? this, he's that. What did he do? But I agree. I've looked it up. I can't <laughs> There's nothing there. They don't like what he said. 
But ordinary people are out there, and actually lawyers. You know, there are lawyers who don't want to go near Trump because of all this stuff, right? I mean, they're, they're worried about losing clients. They're I had worried. lawyers fired that work with us, fired from law schools. I had lawyers who left because their families were threatened. I had a, a young lawyer who worked on the first impeachment thing with us who was fired by his law school after he had been professor of the year two years before. Professor Eastman was one of the most distinguished constitutional law professors in the United States. He was the dean of the law school. How can we help? What can we do? I, I, uh, I mean, we've got to win. We've got to win the election. We've got to win the election, and we've got, and the courts have got to wake up. They've got to realize what comes around goes around, and this is going to happen to many, many people now. I mean, uh, this is a destruction of our – I mean, I, I seriously think they should change the name of the FBI. I think I think they have. I mean, changed the whole organization. Yeah, actually, not just like that. rebranded totally. I don't totally think it re- can yeah. ever be respected again. Right. I think it, it's been irreparably harmed by Mueller and Comey and uh, and Ray and Barr. And how about just covering up the hard drive to fix an election? Let's let's forget the phony votes. They fixed the election by covering up the hard drive, and the FBI did that. The, <laughs> the, which hard drive? The, the Hunter Biden hard drive. Oh, right, right, right. If the people of America had known Hunter Biden's one statement, for 30 years I've been giving my father 50% of all the money I take, and that I still have to pay for all the expenses for, for the family. You know they were never going to let a laptop alter the election after Hillary's, after the Wiener, after, you know, Huma, you know, after that laptop. Right. They were like, okay, we're never, ever, ever going to. They don't want you to find out how crooked since Obama the Democratic Party has been. They're all in the pay-for-play thing. What do you think Pelosi's kid was doing with it, hidden away in chi- in China? Yeah, we got that tonight. Come <laughs> on, another Shamora. Another, another uh, and how about the Bidens now? The Bidens made $31 million from China. $8.5 million from the biggest crook in Ukraine. $3.5 million from the mayor of Moscow's wife. I'm just giving you a few numbers. And they got somebody paying for their vacation? Yeah, that is totally I mean, they are disgusting. Really, what, what do you call people like that? I mean, don't we have names for yeah, them yeah. back in the neighborhood? <laughs> Criminals Schmores? will do for now. <laughs> I got to go. It's Rudy's show. I'll see you tomorrow and tonight on Newsmax. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.